We welcome to the Only Fools and Horses podcast, Daniel Peacock, who played the part of Mental Mickey in the episode It's Only Rock and Roll. How's it going, Daniel? Going very well, thanks, Chris. Yeah, lovely. Great. So, first of all, can you tell us, how did you get the part? Well, basically, I've been asked this a few times, and uh, I mean, got to remember, it was many, many years ago, but I do always remember it, because it was Ray Butt, he was in charge, if you will, and he called me in to the BBC offices, so I went in, sat me down, had a cup of, cup of tea, and he just said, look, just look at the script. And, uh, so I assumed that, he, you know, I would, he wanted me to read and blah, blah, blah. And I turned over, he said, it's the, it's the part of Mental Mickey. So I looked at Mental Mickey and it said in brackets, and I always remember this, and I wish I'd kept that version of the script. I hope this doesn't sound too smart, so I don't mean it to. But it said, Mental Mickey, blah, 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 should be played by someone like Daniel, should be played by someone like Daniel Peacock. And I remember saying that, and John Sullivan had written that, and I remember thinking, fuck, okay, geez, all right. And I was, I mean, of course I wanted the part, and I wanted to do it, and there it was. So he came straight back in with a smile, Ray Butt did, and he said, uh, well, Dan, you want to do it? I said, of course I do. That was it, and it was, I was in and out. Always remember that very fondly. And I remember Ray Butt very fondly as well. I worked with him quite a few times, actually, over the years. We were, we were quite pally on, you know, in many ways. Yeah, a great guy, Ray Button. He was responsible for casting virtually everybody on Only Fools and Horses, wasn't oh, he? Oh, well, yeah. Well, I think it was obviously his and... I mean, listen, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't there. But, you know, when him and John Sullivan first started to knock the idea around and obviously John wrote the scripts and came up with it, you know, came up with all the, the, the genius. But it was Ray that, you know, I'm guessing kind of steered steered the ship in the right direction, if you will. Because as, as I say, years, many years later, I met, I worked in Nottingham. I was acting in a show called Valentine's Park in Nottingham. Ray was put in charge of, he left the BBC, he was in charge of comedy, also overseeing comedy at, at Nottingham, Central TV. I had actually written a pilot the year before, which they were on and ahhing about, whether to make it into a series, called Very Big, Very Soon. I was on a train with Ray. He was just going back to London. I was going back to London. We just recorded uh, Valentine's Park, which was the show I was acting in. And he said, I saw your pilot. Uh, I'd love to make it into the series. And I thought, are you joking? He I said, probably said, are you joking? Let's make it. Let's make it a series. And it was that simple with Ray. No mucking about. He, you know, he saw something, he liked it, and boom, we made it. So so my, I'm, I'm always have a very fond, fond spot in my heart for Mr. Buck. Uh, what was it like working on set with everybody? On Fools and Horses? Yeah, uh, well, great. I mean, I remember I never did any studio work on that episode. It was basically, exactly one episode, I think it was three days maybe, over a period of weeks. First day was the singing the song in the in the hall, where the old boy comes in and we have that little altercation, and it's the rough version of the song, if you will. I think it was series four, So, I, and I was a fan of Fools and Horses, and then he walks David Jason, you know, as the old boy, Doing, doing his stuff, and you, you do start for a moment step out and think, because it was even then such an iconic show, and I was so pleased to be in it. You do sort of think, oh, this is actually, I'm actually in Fulton Horses. Okay, I better remember my lines. What am I supposed to say? And so, uh, yeah, it was it was kind of weird seeing, you know, reacting, especially with Dave Jason. But it was, uh, yeah, and we all at the pub at lunchtime. I remember, uh, which was just just you know cleverly across the road. So that was that was wonderful. We even had a drink, and then the next thing I knew. When we did the fight in the nightclub, um, we all had the white suits when we were being chucked out. Five o'clock, they had to wait till dark. It took longer to get dark than they wanted it to. And they had some shots before me. And I remember being in uh, like this little, it wasn't even a trailer, it was like a little caravan thing for like six hours in the white suit and not having very much to do. And David Jason came in, he said, you're all right. Because he, he knew that I had, I had a long wait ahead of me. Uh, so he wanted to make sure that, you know, even though I was just there for a few days, and he was looking after the guys that just turned up for a couple of days. So once again, he was a top man. 
And he's a top man. I was, I was going to ask you, Dan, you know the um, Top of the Pops that you did? No. Well, that was actually the Top of the Pops. Absolutely. Everyone's dream as a young person. Not so much now because there's so many music shows, but certainly my generation, you know, everyone grew up watching Top of the Pops and loving Top of the Pops. Uh, I was no different. Uh, so to suddenly be on Top of the Pops, even though we weren't a real band, people thought we were a real band, which was kind of kind of strange. I don't know if you've heard this story because I've done it a couple of times. Mando Bally, I think it was walked up the stairs and started to talk to us about where we were in the charts. Because we must have been somewhere in the charts, otherwise we wouldn't have been top of the box. I just blurted it out, we're number four. And then they had an argument about, they thought they were at number four. And they better go and speak to their management. And they all stormed off angry. Not at us, but we, with a bunch of wallies, we were at number four, not Spandau Ballet. <laughs> Martin Kemp's a massive fan, isn't he? Martin Kemp's a massive fan of Fools and Horses. Um, okay. His wife's um, Shirley, isn't it? There's a reference in Danger UXD, the blow-up dolls. Del Boy calls them Pepsi and Shirley. Oh, and Martin, right. Martin yeah. Kemp said that Shirley's proudest moment was when... Yeah. <laughs> Del Boy says, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about your outfits? Have you got any outfits? Because you did three scenes, and I think I'm right in saying you had a different outfit for each scene, didn't you? Is that right? Yeah, do you know what? I never thought about that. You're absolutely right. It was the, it was the rock and roll one, it was the, the, uh, the sort of scruffy one, the, the uh, white suits, and then the very smart top of the pop suits. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, not got any, no, not kept any at all. No, 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 no. yeah. yeah. I've never been one for keeping stuff, wouldn't know that. I think when Robin Hood printed these off, I did keep my two swords. I remember that. I did say to the pop master, I said, oh, you know, can I keep these? Of course you can. Uh, <laughs> I, I immediately gave them away, stupidly. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a holder or a keeper of, of, of things like that. I should have been. I wrote a show called Teenage Health Freak. It was a Channel 4 show. And in it, my character, I was in it as well, had these two fake pearl-handed, pearl-handled cold revolvers. Uh, which the character insisted weren't toys. They were replicas and the family kept going on, no, they're toys, you're an idiot. But I do remember keeping those. And this is before guns became on the streets of London. You know, so I remember getting a taxi home with my two guns and thinking I was really hard. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, but, but God, if, if that had been now, I wouldn't have done it. So I, I did keep those. By the way, members of the constabulary, I no longer had those. They were replicas. I got, I got one inscribed to the director and the other one, the other one, uh, I gave away. I don't know why it is. I give away. I think you know people say, "Oh, I like that," and I say, "Oh, really? You can have it." Do you remember first watching the episode on the TV? Did you watch it back? I must have done because I'm certainly not. I'm not one of those people that doesn't like to see themselves. So I'm sure I did, but I really don't remember. Long time ago uh, now, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but it, it's on. It's been on, isn't it? It's on UK Gold and things like that. And, and but so I, but I really don't remember. I, I, I must have seen it, I don't know, five or six times over the years because I'm very aware of those scenes. So it definitely was one of the very few, you know, you work with people and, and also you're in particular shows, but you don't have great vivid memories of everything. But on that particular, that particular show, I, I have vivid memories of kind of everything I did or to, and, the, and the people. And it's, So I think it's because I was very proud of it and I really, you know, I love Fools and Horses. So. Great. And for me, the funniest part was when Del Boy sees your band a bunch of wallies on top of the yeah. pops i mean that was hilarious for me yeah yeah yes 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 <laughs> and, he's, and he's yeah and he's taking the tv in the other room isn't he or he tries to and uh and then Roddy comes back in that's, that's right and, and says uh, they're, they're on top of the pops yeah they've, they've jazzed the song up a bit did am i right in saying john sullivan wrote the song dan yes, for the... yes he did yeah yes, what would did. you say about the song it's quite a good quality song joking aside oh, isn't it oh i mean listen he was obviously yeah. good to, he wrote the titles of pops and Aussies. i mean you know, he knew what he was doing musically, didn't he? He, yeah. I think, wrote quite a lot of songs actually. I think everything, every all his uh, 
TV series. Is, I'm pretty sure he was involved in the writing of a lot of theme tunes. So he's, he, I mean, he was obviously a bit of a bit of a musician at heart as well, a bit of a lyricist. <laughs> the first one's obviously just recorded just live, uh, but the studio one. You know what? I think the studio one, the backing track, was recorded by Sung It Live. I think that's what it was. Yeah, I'm pretty. I didn't. I wasn't miming to it. So, and they and the band certainly weren't playing it. So I'm pretty sure that was backing track. So, so you had a rare honour on top of the pops. You didn't mime a song. You actually sung it. <laughs> yeah, the only one that night. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Didn't yeah. think. Yeah. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was. Wow. What give you the bigger thrill, Dan? Only fools and horses or top of the pops or equal measure? Would you say? What do you mean? The two shows. Well, like, is it, you thought, was it like more proud of being on Fools and Horses or actually Top of the Pops? Because I know you, you like your uh, music. It, it would be Fools and Horses. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That's a relief. Yeah, I've got <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's only certain, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not big enough Top of the Pops because it was, but there was, yeah, when, when I saw the jam or the specials or madness, that therefore the show became of value when you saw, you know, as far as I was concerned, when you saw certain bands, I don't want to name them, but there are certain bands which certainly then, I go, are you joking? Why? It makes no sense <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. Anyone go in and say, have you got the latest Phil Collins single? Just make what? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Sorry, he's a big fan, Phil. Sorry, Phil. <laughs> do, you, do you know Series 4? It's Like you say, it's from Series 4, it's only rock and roll. Obviously, there was the sad death of Leonard Pierce. That's Did right. you... Leonard had passed away, I presume, by the time your episode sort of was was around, or was Leonard sort of still in the no uh, in I, the scene? Or uh, well, I, I can't remember. Was, he wasn't yeah. in the episode. Sorry, I'm confused. He wasn't in the episode, but I was wondering if I can't remember. But I, I will say this: I actually prior to that was it after? It might have been after. It was around that time, I think. I did a Saturday morning live Saturday morning show Southampton or somewhere, and there was super something like super twat who was me. Super, super skinny boy who was some very nice, slender actor, all in Superman outfits, and Super Granddad, and that was played by Leonard Pierce. Really? Yeah. So I did work, actually work with him, but not on Fools and Horses. That wouldn't be on Swap Shop or anything like that. I'm just thinking of the I Saturday morning shows. I would have remembered. I remember getting in trouble because uh, it was live TV, and the Superman tights I had were very tight, so I kept <laughs> I kept adjusting myself. And then when he, and then someone ran over and went, stop doing that. It looks ridiculous, <laughs> you know. So I thought I had top trousers on, but I didn't have tight. So what can I tell you? I, do, I wasn't doing it on purpose. I'll tell you that. <laughs> what was Leonard Pierce like to work with? Oh, he's great. Well, remember, it wasn't to do with Fools Nurses when we were talking. It was to do his other show. So, uh, but I remember thinking, oh my god, that's Granddad, you know. And yeah, you know, it's, it's always it's, you know, you, you, there's actors that you that you always. Kind of like okay, yeah, I really like that guy. Uh, yeah, and I'm really pleased to be working with him. And so, and again, yeah, all, all those Falls and Horses guys were like that to me because I was aware of them and I liked the show. I loved the show. And so, when you're in that situation, you meet these people, you are aware of, in a way, you know, what they've meant to you regarding their characters in a particular program. And that, but that applies to a lot of actors that I've met over the years. You know, what was the what was your best memory about being on set? I suppose of the three. Because remember, they were all locations. I never went. Uh, it would be after that would have to be the top of the pots one because of, you know you want to be on top of the pots and you're on it. So that was probably of the three locations the sort of most wow one. You know, I would have liked to have done a scene in the in the in the Falls Nautilus front room. You know, like everyone would, but I, nice. I wasn't lucky enough to do that. But the, so the top of the pots one 
it would have been my favourite of the three. So your particular scenes, I'm just just thought top of my head, you wouldn't have had a live audience, I don't suppose, would you, with your no, scenes? No, no. no. Yeah, so, no, no, no audience. Less nerve wracking, I suppose, in a way. I've done, I've done uh, you know, I did quite a few sort of, you know sitcoms over the years, and the live audience thing never, it, it never, you know, it's, it's kind of fun in a mm. way. Do you do definitely get a def, def, a def, definite sort of rush of adren adrenaline? Which we, because you you know it's a bit like being not that I've done a lot of theatre but it's, it's like being on stage there's an audience and you you're you know you you don't want to play to them because it's television but you're you're aware of you hope they laugh at the right point sort of thing and you know you want to be as, the best the best you can be but I'd never got worried about live audiences if anything it was more fun more exciting it's a bit like football is isn't it at the moment or they haven't had a crowd have they and haven't had that lift you know a lot of teams at home have lost haven't they because I think there's no crowd to give them that extra absolutely I'm a Spurs man by the way I'm a Spurs man oh my condolences I'm a Man U fan you looked um, brilliant didn't you 6-1 at Old Trafford and... oh well, there you go yeah I think at one point we were, we were top weren't we about three days or something yeah but every year we say um, next year we're going to do it <laughs> and I'm, I'll say that again next year we're going to do it we obviously won't, but who knows? Fingers crossed. Who knows? Harry Kane might stay. Do you know when I was reading about you, Danny? I, I was quite well, not surprised, but I knew, I knew about quite a bit of the shows you did, like uh, One Foot in the Grave. I didn't realise you were in the Young Ones, which I'm a big fan yeah. of the Young Ones. Yeah, yeah, um, the Young Ones, yeah. Yeah, na na the episode Nasty was it? The sort of Halloweeny one was it? You know what? I I don't that I don't think I've ever seen it. Apparently, I, I don't remember the scene. You were actually shot or something. It, it says you were in the scene and you were shot. That's right. I was shot. Yeah. Supposed to be shot in the bottom, I think, or the top of the leg or something like that. Because uh, I remember when I did it, I think it was Steve Frost, actually. I'm remembering it now. Uh, I think Steve Frost was in the scene with me, and I got shot. And I remember laughing because my, my trousers were falling down. He was actually, he had to look to see where I'd been shot or something. I mean, he's really pulled my trousers much too far down. But I don't, you know, I, I, funnily enough, I, I, I was also, obviously, because I'd worked on the comic strip with a lot of those guys prior to the young ones. And uh, I was also... A big fan of the young ones, especially Rick Mail. I remember the comic strip. I'd done two, the first two episodes um, of the comic strip, and Rick Mail hadn't been in those. But he, I was going, we were going up weeks later for the third episode to record the third, to film the third episode. And Dawn French said, "Do you want to come and lift with me?" I went, "Yeah, great." So, so I'm going up to Devon, and uh, she said, "Yeah, come round to my flat." So I'm in the morning, we'll drive up. So I went, okay, great. So I went around. And I got on very well with Dawn prior to that. So, it was, you, know, you know, she's always been, you know, very down to earth and a really great person. And uh, she said, oh, someone else is coming up with us. And in came Rick Mel. And, I went, and that, this is one of those things I went, you know, because he was like doing a lot of TV. He used to do this character called Kevin Turvey. Uh, I don't know if you remember Kevin Turvey. Before, yeah, yeah. before the comic strip, that was like the first televised implication that things were comedically changing on television. It was Rick Mail with Kevin Turvey. And so, and so I'm thinking, oh my God, is that it's actually Rick Mail? And, and driving up with him, and he was just gagging all the way up, and I was falling around laughing. I think I mentioned the Young Ones episode, didn't I? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, of course. So basically I, I did, but I, 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 do, I do remember just turning up one evening and doing that Young Ones one. So it, much as it, it was a great show, I loved it. Uh, I don't remember... The, I don't have the vivid memories, if you will, but I do with Fools and Horses. Was there a possibility of more episodes? There could have been legs in the Mental Mickey, couldn't there? More episodes, possibly? Did you hope or think there could be? Or I, you know what? I didn't think it, at the time, in a way, even though you know I, I loved doing it. It was, you know, I was doing quite a lot of stuff, and it was like, you know, I'd be really pleased to do it. 
but then you get on, you get on with the, the next thing. So it never really, it never really dawned on me that all, because, you know, I've done a couple of the conventions and things and, you know, everyone always, when we're there, everyone always says it's funny. This was like 30, I don't know, 35, 30 years, I don't know, 32 years ago. Who would have thought, you know what I mean? But here we are and people are more, it's a more popular show now than it even was then. So there is something strange about the, the success. Not, not, not that it shouldn't have been a massive success. It probably is sort of pound for pound the, the best, you know, even the, the 40,000 porridge and things like that. It's probably the best. Uh, sitcom this country's ever produced. Yeah, lot longevity, I think, as well, isn't it? It's 20 years, and I think it's 1980. Don't make you feel older, but 1985, the episode was. Okay, okay, yeah, so, okay. Well, I'm 62 now, so yeah, you, you wouldn't have been very old, would you? I can't do the math, so the year before <laughs> I was born, so there you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> I am old. I think you'd have been 26, if I'm right. Okay, that sounds, yeah, that sounds about right. But, but as I was saying, the episode you was in. It was a year before I was born, but I must have yeah, seen it yeah. about 10, 20 times. It's a great episode. And that's the thing with, with Fools and Horses, isn't it? It's timeless comedy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, 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 you know, it, it wasn't probably, because at the time it was probably because he's a struggling market trader and a wheeler and dealer. And what was it? it would have been Thatcher time, wouldn't it? So it was probably the, the, the chemistry of the time also probably helped it a bit, if you will. People trying to survive and... Blah, blah blah but it's now beyond that it's it's now become something else it's become such an institution of course she was in robin hood prince of thieves as well what can you tell yeah. us about that what are your memories of acting in that well that again that's another vivid one uh for me that was when I, they gave me the two swords at the end uh that was 13 weeks i remember and it was actually really majority of it, it got very cold sometimes but majority of the time it was great fun because it was the merry men we all even we had our little rooms, our little trailers. You know, this, these weren't smart ones, by the way. This is, and it was Jack Wild, right? And who I got on so well with, not just because he was Jack Wild, quite similar in many, many ways. And uh, we, we enjoyed each other company. But we used to play dice, all of us, not for money, just this dice game with one of the actors, Derek Dedman, uh, who I think is sadly passed now, uh, introduced us all to. And we all used to gather around and go in one of the, the sort of little trailer things and play this dice. And sometimes Kevin Cosner would be Kevin Cosner. He'd come in and he knew the game as well. It was quite a complex dice game. And the loser had to go and get the tees. That's right. We, so we never let Kevin Cosner lose because we, we weren't going to tell him to go and get his tees. But, so that was, that was the penance you had to pay if you lost. And the game would go on for like three hours. And I always remember about that. Is thinking, why are we all getting on so well? We all, all we get... I suddenly realised that what they've done is they cast a group of people who are very different, obviously in shape and size and, and, and age, but yet somehow would look like they would gel, if you will. And that's what we actually did as, as, as people. The song was huge, wasn't it? Was it Brian Adams' Everything I Do? Is it still one of the biggest or biggest selling songs? Yeah. yeah. Do you know Trigger, Trigger's a big Tottenham fan, Roger Lloyd Pack, and when he used to go to Tottenham, apparently they used to sing He's Only Got One Broom. Mm. Uh, okay. You know, that episode yeah. Came later. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. There was um, Chaz from Chaz and Dave. He was a big Spurs man, obviously. That's a connection with Fools and Horses because they did the Margate song, didn't yeah, they? Chaz and Dave. I see it all connects. Yeah. 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 We yeah. were going to do the theme tune, but because of the success of that record, they never did it. Apparently. Is that because of that song, Chris? I didn't know that. Is that? Yeah. That's that's well, I've looked that up before, and apparently they. John Sullivan wanted them to do it originally, but they got so busy after doing um, not Margate, sorry, ain't no pleasing oh. you. 
and then and then they couldn't record it. So then John did it. Oh. That's right. A lot of the fans, I don't know why, I think it's Nick Lindhurst who sings the song, but it is like you say, Did John I? Sullivan yeah. sings both, doesn't he? The, uh, the intro and the outro. Mm. Well, yeah, John Sullivan, yeah. Where would your appearance rank in Fools and Horses? Where would it, because you've had a successful career and still yeah. having a successful career, where would it rank? Would it be top? Would it be third, well, fourth? It's, it's writing's always been my thing. I've written a broadcast episodes over the years, uh, some short ones, some long ones, and that's always been my passion, if you will. But just purely being in something, uh, yeah, I've, you know, I've no one's ever asked me that before. I probably, I'm not just saying this, I'm trying to think, uh, it would probably have to be, yeah, it, yeah I can't think of anything else. But you see, the comic strip was always very important to me because that sort of, I was very young and that sort of, not, you know, helped me sort of move, move into certain areas. So the comic strip was always a very, uh, I, I always remember that very fondly. It's, but yeah, Falls and is certainly, 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 most definitely top three, if if not top, top, top. Um, that's that, that's too complex a question for for my small brain to be able to compute at this moment. No, you've had a, you've done a lot of things, haven't you? As well, to be fair, yeah. So um, no, please, you've said Tough that. Question, right? yeah. It's like saying who, who's your best girlfriend you've ever had. You have to say your wife if you're married. Unless it's an ex-wife, of course. Yeah. Anyway, um, what about the song? Can you still remember the song? Can you sing the lyrics? Can you? Go on, go on. Could you do a few lines or a line? Listen here, stop me if you heard it. A million kids done nothing to deserve it. Do, 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 do. It was a big boy. The big boys don't give a damn. It's, it, that was, that's what I remember. Listen. Oh, very good. Excellent. A million kids done nothing to deserve it. Now I go, ba, 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 ba. But yes. Yeah. Can you still do the one, two, three, fours? Yeah, I can. I'll shout you one out if you want. One, two, three, four. Hey! <laughs> We've got some off-price crack ties, some miles and miles of carpet tiles, TVs deep freezing, David Bowie OPs, pool games, gold chains, wuss names, and Edda Bush, and Trevor Francis track suits from a mush and shepherd's bush. Bush, 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 bush. No income tax, no VAT, no money back, no guarantee. Black or white, rich or poor, we'll cut prices at a straw. 